How many of you, by show of hands, have ever had a sneezing attack? Let me just see your hands. Wow, a lot of you. And, and, it, and it always comes at the worst time, doesn't it? Have you ever noticed that? Like you're trying to tell a story and all of a sudden you get hit with sneezes or whatever. I had a friend in high school that every time he sneezed, uh, he sneezed three times in a row. Are there any three times in a row sneezers here? Oh, look, it's a real common thing. It's three times in a row and then you're done. And he wouldn't, like, he wouldn't give you a warning. He'd be talking about, oh, did you see that game chew 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 last night and you're like what just happened were you you know and you just do that but here's the purpose of a sneeze all right you're not in health class but just give me a minute everybody the purpose of a sneeze is to clear out an irritant or an infection an irritant or an infection that if not blown out if you would or cleared out could invade the body and lead to serious disease, sickness, or even the possibility of death. How many are thanking God now for a sneeze? Which is the tradition why we say, God bless you when we sneeze. A, a triple sneeze happens when you got to go deeper. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Well, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but I, I, I did a deep dive into sneezing. I spent way more time studying about sneezes than I should have, all right? It's like, okay, get back to scripture, Ken, all right? But, but I did a deep dive on sneezes, and, and one psychologist said that our sneezes have a lot to do with our personalities. How many live with somebody you could say, yep, that's true? Any, anybody like, yeah, that's who they are? Thank you, my wife, yeah, okay, uh, okay. <laughs> Well, I'm a loud sneezer, okay, all right. So, uh, uh, but there's different kind of sneezers. Uh, there's the hold it in sneezer. Any hold it in sneezers in here? You know, it's like it, nothing actually comes out, but all you see is this, you know, like, <laughs> what just happened? Is there a devil? Like, wh what is going on? And it's surprising that that person doesn't bust their eardrums, right? Or, or there's the tease. How many of you have ever had the tease? Ah, ah, ah. Oh, sorry, that was nothing, right? That's the worst, isn't it? Or the loud sneezer. Okay, I'll admit, this is me. Any loud sneezers in the room? Like, we can hear you from the other county? You know, I mean, it's just, it's loud. Or, or this is the one I call the cartoon sneeze. Uh, all you hear is a quiet little, you know, like that. Any, any cartoon sneezers? Uh, Carmen, my daughter-in-law, but anybody else? Uh, oh, sorry, did I just say that out loud? I'm sorry. Uh, you know, and uh, the cartoon sneezer. Well, Donna Griffiths, uh, she sneezed uncontrollably for an incredible, get a load of this, 976 days. Doesn't that just make you sore? Uh, I, I bet she had incredible abs. I mean, you know, whoa, look at her. All right. Believe it or not, though, there's an amazing story in the Bible. I knew. You, you, I, I would bring it around to Scripture eventually. But there's this incredible story in the Bible. It's very obscure. Not many people know about it. But it literally talks about sneezing. And it doesn't just talk about sneezing. It talks about seven sneezes. And I really want to spend the first few weeks of the year talking about that particular verse. Matter of fact, about uh, probably around August last year, God put this on the heart, and I couldn't wait to get to it. Because for the last few months, I've just been stirring inside that maybe God has just spent these first six years getting ready, is ready for what he wants to do. Now, I know he's done some great things. We've spent some time at the end of last year talking about all the salvations and all the things that have happened. And because of your faithfulness, all the money we've given to other ministries and all of that. 
And uh, over the last six years, God has done incredible things. But I just have this sense that, that, that he, he didn't just start another church in Mount Vernon to just preach more messages on Sunday. Could anybody else concur with that and say, yeah, I, I sense that. And, and I just have this feeling that, and I told you this is going to be very pastoral, that maybe God is calling every one of us as the church to another level. And, um, and, and, and what if, maybe, maybe we're just getting started. So the story is the story of Elisha. And if you know Elisha, Elisha is one of the, the, the heroes of the Old Testament. He's one of the prophets of the Old Testament. And, and let me backfill the story just a little bit. So Elijah, he was the mentor to Elisha. Next week we're going to talk about both of them in a little more in depth. But Elijah is the mentor to Elisha. So Elisha takes over Elijah's ministry, and he's a prophet, and he travels. And in his travels, he always comes across this couple farm or ranch or place of dwelling. Uh, the Bible calls her the Shunammite woman. How many have ever read this story? All right. So she's the Shunammite woman. And, and he comes by there so often that the woman says to her husband, hey, we ought to build a little guest room off of our house for Elisha because he's always traveling this way. He's always coming by here and we ought to treat our pastor very special. No, it doesn't say that. I just thought I'd add that in there. <laughs> And so we ought to treat him very special, and they built him a little room. And, and I think it's significant because later we're going to find out they're going to be very glad that they made room for the things of God, if I could put it in that context. And so they made him a room. I'm sure there was expense. I'm sure there was work. I'm sure there was labor. But they built him a little room. And then, and then he said to them, he said, is there anything I can do for you? Well, long story short, you can read this. The story is in 2 Kings chapter number 4. But they didn't have a child and they didn't have a son. And so Elisha prophesied to them that a year from now you'll have a boy. And a year from now they did. They had a son. And years go by, and one day the son is out in the fields with the dad working. He said, man, my head is hurting. And he passes out, and he dies. Well, the Shudamite woman says, man, i got to go find the man of God. And she does, and that's where we're going to pick up the story. In fact, the Bible says she saddled up the donkey and went to find, and went to get a hold of, if you could just see the symbolism, i got to get a hold of the things of God. Have you ever just felt like, I just got to get a hold of God, everybody? In 2024, I'm asking us to let's just saddle up and let's get a hold of God. Let's quit playing church. Let's just quit coming when it's convenient. Let's quit praying when we have a need. Let's just seek into God. Let's saddle up and let's get a hold of and let's build and make room for the things of God. Can I get an amen in the house today, right? And so she gets on her donkey, and here's where the story picks up. 2 Kings chapter number 4. In verse number 32, you better start my timer back there, all right? Uh, otherwise, I'll preach all day today. I've had a week off. I could go forever. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them, the mom and dad, and prayed to the Lord. Now, this is where the story gets weird, all right, everybody? Right now, it's like, okay, this is like any story, but this is where it gets weird, but just bear with me. It says, then he got on the bed, Elisha, and laid on the boy. Now, the boy's dead. How many know this is already strange, right? I've never seen this at a hospital call or at a funeral, and it's very strange. He laid on the boy, and he laid on him mouth to mouth, very weird, eye to eye, hands to hands, 
As he stretched himself out on him, the body's, uh, the boy's body grew warm. It goes on uh, a little bit more. It says, Elisha turned away, and he walked back and forth. He paced in the room, and then he got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. I present to you the seven sneezes. Come on, everybody, right? I told you it was in the Bible. But there's a couple things as we build up to this that I want you to see. Um, First of all, one of the things that I love that Elisha did that I want to encourage you just as you're evaluating your 2024, one of the things that he did, we'll talk about a number of things that he did, but he shut the door. In other words, he didn't let maybe, maybe it was doubt come in. Maybe it was fear, but whatever it was, he shut the door to the things that would not help the dead thing come back to life. Come on, I'm already preaching and some of you don't even know it yet. And so here's what I'm saying. We continually, if we're going to grow, if we're going to be alive to the plans and purposes of God, if we're going to know what God is doing in our life, if we're going to be alive in our marriages, alive in our lives, alive in, 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 in our spiritual walk, there's constantly going to be decisions we have to make about what are we going to say yes to and what are we going to say no to? What things are we going to shut the door to? And I want to challenge you, if 2024 is going to be any different than 2023, if you're looking for God to do a miracle, to awake something, to cause something to come alive in you that's never been alive, I would submit to you that there just might be some things that you have to shut the door to. There might be some things. They're good things. They're not bad things. They might be good things that just say, you know what? I I, got to leave that behind. I got to shut that out of my life. Come on. Some of you are already like you already know what it is. It's like, okay, God, I get it already. And we have to shut the door to those. Now, we're Americans. I get it. We're Americans, and, and you're church-going Americans, and you're church-going Americans in an unchurched kind of a state. And so you're not sitting in church because you got all kind of bad things you got to shut the door to. So let's take that a little different direction. You see, we sit here, and our lives are filled with good things. Our lives are filled with a lot of good things. Uh, and, and I know there's people in here that struggle with bad things, That's, but, but, but I want to talk about the good things. You see, sometimes we need to shut the door to some good things in our life that occupy too much of our time and too much of our brain power and too much of our calendar and too much of our checkbook, come on everybody, that keeps us from being fully alive in Christ. Thank you for the one applause in the room. I'm preaching to you, all right? Now, I get it. This is a very odd story. I get it. This story is like bizarre, like, woo, woo, okay? Uh, I mean, Elijah laid his life on a dead boy. I mean, come on. But watch this. Isn't that really what we're called to do? Is give life where there is no life? Come on, everybody. He made the dead boy come alive. What I love about the story and what struck me about the story when I read it this time was he made the young boy come to life. It wasn't an old man that was at the end of his life. It was a young boy that had not yet fulfilled his purpose on this earth. Oh, come on, I'm going somewhere. It it wasn't time for the boy to die. It was premature for him to die. 
If, if I could, if I could make the analogy, it is not time for the church of America to die. It is not time for Christians to lay on the couch. It is not time for the church to be unhealthy. Come on. It is premature for us to quit doing what God has called us to do. Come on now. It's, it's not time. I'm working on a series for later this fall on the Beatitudes, and so I was reading about being salt and light, and I would just add into here, it's not time for the salt to lose its savor. It's not time for the light of Jesus Christ called the church to be hid. It's just too soon for a six-year-old church to pat ourselves on the back and say, look what God has done, and forget there's a whole nother room this size, at least that needs to know what you know right now. Can I get an amen on that? And the reason this is so important and I'm so passionate about it, and by the way, if you're new here and you're like, this dude is getting loud, you haven't seen nothing yet, all right? I mean, I'm just passionate about the church of Jesus Christ because I still think that the church is the hope for our world. It's the hope for our community. And we need a life-giving church, not a church dead on the couch. Can I get an amen on that, right? And it's important, watch this, watch this, because we are the church. We are. Not this building. This building, thank God for it. Thank God for your giving that we can have a building to meet in. It's wonderful, especially next Sunday. It's supposed to be really cold, I hear. It's nice to have a building, but this building, come on, it's not, a, it's not the church. Uh, there used to be a bar over there. There used to be a dance floor right here. There's no stained glass window. This building is not the church. You and I are the church. So when we hear that, we have to lean into that and say, then what is God saying to me? And I would say, it's too soon for us to lay on the couch. It's too soon for us to do nothing. It's too soon for us to retire. It's too soon for us to believe in our own press. It's too soon for us just to wallow in the blessings of God. Can I get an amen on that? So I would suggest that if the church is going to live, and I mean really live, there are seven sneezes that could be an irritant and that could infect that we've got to get out or make sure to stand against. I'm not going to do any of them today. However, you got to come back next Sunday, all right? See you guys next week. No, I'm not done yet. In recent years, especially since COVID, now, I'm going to preach to you for about five minutes as though you're a room full of pastors. Because I really believe if you're a born-again Christian, then we are all called into the body of Christ. And at some level, we are all pastors. That's what it means to be incarnate. Incarnate means to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And that's what he's called us to do. He's called us to reach the world and disciple the world. In other words, be pastors. So for five minutes, I'm going to talk to you as though you're pastors for a minute. I know some of you don't feel like pastors, but welcome to the club, all right? In recent years, it's been reported, especially since COVID, that the American church is dead that people are not going to church anymore, that the next generation is not going to church. By the way, Gen Z is going to church more. They've returned to church more than the millennials have returned to church. Because they're tired of hype and they're looking for hope. They're tired of phony and they're looking for authentic. And they're looking for someone to put a demand on their life. So if you get offended because we're putting a demand on your life, well, thank Gen Z for that, everybody, all right? And, and so in recent years, and, and really, there's a lot of churches that never recovered. There's hundreds and actually thousands of churches that closed up after COVID. 
And so I started thinking about that, and, and I started relating that boy dead on the couch and, and the church dead on the couch, if I could make the symbolism there a, a little bit or the metaphor. And so I want to talk to you just real quickly as pastors of the symptoms of a dying church and, and what we need to do to address them, because if the irritant could lead to death, then we as a church have to consider what are the signs of a dead church. So let's look at them. Number one is there's minimal first-time guests. And, 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 and I know we could pat ourselves on the back and say, we never don't have first-time guests. We always have first-time guests. And, but you know that, that, that the church, when we don't have a lot of newcomers or guests come see what's going on, guess whose responsibility that is? It's our responsibility. Oh, did I tell you? We are the church. So we are responsible for that. Have you ever been to a church where someone gets bent out of shape because somebody did come new for the first time and they sat in an old-timer's chair? You know, it's like, you're in my chair. It's like, whoa, hey, all right. So, okay, but here's the question. When is the last time you invited anybody to church? Ooh, way to start the year, Ken. I was having fun till I got here. But really, we are the church, I know you might be counting on our sign out at the road, but our sign's really not that good, everybody. Our sign is really not that good. When is the last time you bragged about what God is doing in your life? Come on, everyone. Number two is there's lack of partners. The reason churches are dying is because there's lack of partners. I won't get into that a lot here, but it's going to be in this series. I don't believe in church membership because membership is always looking for what you get. I believe in partnership because partnership is always looking for how do I serve. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the body of Christ, and, and, and we are the ones that should be laying our life on the dead, and the dead are coming back to life because we're stretching ourselves on those that aren't alive. Does that make sense? That's why we got to be a life-giving church. And, and I just want to challenge you, this year, if you're not on a dream team yet, if you're not plugged in, I'm asking you, I, if we're having coffee, just me and you, and I'm looking across the table, and I'm looking you in the eyes, and I'm saying, I'm asking you to be a part of the body of Christ. I'm asking you to get involved and let's make a difference. Come on. I'm asking you to come on January the 13th. Come on, everybody, okay? I'm asking you to come this Saturday and see how God could use your limited calendar, your limited talent, if you want to use that excuse, your limited time, your limited church experience. I want you to see, can God really use all my limitations? <sighs> Come on now. Oh, I don't have any time, and, and I don't have any, and I don't have any, and I've only been in church a month. Some of the greatest people are church people that have just given their life to the Lord. Come on now. And, and, and so show up. Number three, the third reason that churches are dying is because of controlling boards. Well, we took care of that. That's irrelevant to us. We don't have a board. All right, go figure. Number four is we have, we have other systems. All right, you got to come, and we'll tell you about it. Number four is we want members, uh, members who want to preserve the past. Well, the good thing about Radius is this. We don't have members and we don't have a past. Isn't that wonderful, huh? I mean, come on. But let me do say this. Don't get addicted to where you got on the bus. Because anything that is growing is changing. And don't get addicted to your bus stop that you, that you miss enjoying the ride on the bus. Oh, come on. I said some stuff right there. 
See, when we were 50 people in the coffee shop, Patty and I would have coffee with just about everybody in the whole church at that time. I mean, all I had to do was prepare a message. That's all I had to do. I didn't have to worry about anything else. So we just had coffee with everybody in the whole church. Well, guess what? Anything that's growing is changing. And how many know that's not even possible? There's not even enough hours in a week for that to happen anymore, right? And so I'm not the church. We are the church. Don't get addicted to where you got on the bus. Come on, everybody. Number five, the fifth reason churches are dying is because there's a lack of salvations. Can we just take a minute and thank God that His Holy Spirit is drawing people to Him almost every single Sunday here? Come on, everybody. You know, in 2023, we water baptized 98 people. Come on. Two more of you disobeyed. You should have got baptized. All right. Come on, that's good stuff, everybody. Number six is the lack of systematic discipleship. The reason churches are dying is they show up, but they don't grow up. See, our success is not how many people are here right now. Our success, how many people are taking next steps and, and plugging into Jesus and growing in Jesus. Uh, um, uh, one of the things you'll see, you've seen last year, but even more heavy this year is what we're calling What's on Wednesdays. What's on Wednesdays will start on January 17th. It'll be on your app. And, uh, and so what we're going to do, the first six of those, uh, uh, starting on January the 17th, the first three Wednesday night classes will be about our, our values over there. How to know God more. How do I know God? How do I connect with God? How do I interpret His Word? How do I know He's real? So the first three will be how to know God. Then the next three... Uh, they will be all about how to find freedom, how to change our bad habits and change our thought processes. So we're inviting you to those. Um, and then our life groups. Next week is our life group sign-up. And we got some doozies for you coming this semester. And I'm challenging you again. Make this be the year that you try something new. Just try it. And if there's not a life group you like, then start one. We have overcomplicated life groups, everybody. Life group is simply about connecting. I see some of you looking down at your feet right now. That means I'm talking to you. <laughs> if it's something you don't, if, there, if we don't have anything you like, then, and it irritates you that we don't have anything you like, that might mean that we need you to do what you like. Life group is real easy. Take somebody out to coffee immediately after the service. There's your life group. You think I'm kidding. I'm sur for real. Take them out to Dairy Queen. 99 cent hamburgers. I can't promise what you're going to get. <laughs> but there's your life group. That's it. How many are at least, oh, I can't be involved in life group. Okay, connect with somebody on Sunday. You're here anyway. Come on now, right? And so our life groups. And so we're going to have what's on Wednesdays. We're going to have, we're adding counseling in-house. Uh, Missy will be leading that. We're leading our, our, our rewind groups, which is just people that meet all through the week just to rewind the message that already got preached. I mean, I'm doing all the work. All you got to do is get together and say, did you hear that point? Oh, man, what do you think of that? Well, I don't know. You know, that's all you got to do. In fact, there's going to be one here in just about 30 minutes. And you can come too, all right? And uh, so number seven. Number seven, the reason churches are dying is children's ministry is on a back burner. How many know we can never let our kids take a second seat? They're not back there being babysit. They're back there being ministered to. Come on. Can I get an amen? And we constantly need workers. And it's a very physical, draining minute. Them guys, I, I watch our granddaughter like once every, once in a while. And like, I'm dead in like 30 minutes. I'm just dead. 
I'm praying for the return of Jesus. All right, I get it. I understand. And now we're going to sit you back there with a hundred of them. But, but you have reinforcements, all right? And, and we constantly need workers back there, but workers that really love kids and their future and a vision for kids and, and a vision as they move from there to our youth center and, and, and so on and so on. Number eight, the reason churches die is, is because we become maintenance and management is replacing mission. Oh, that has to wait for another day. Number nine is everyone in your church looks and thinks just like you. Woo, come on now. See, I could preach in a way. I know how to preach to Christians, and there's topics I could bring up right now. I could have Christians standing on their feet going, yeah. And while we're saying, yeah, we would disassociate ourselves and close the circle to everyone that's here searching for truth that doesn't believe like, look like, act like, talk like we do. Well, some of you are on that page. And what happens, what happens, what happens is we start preaching to the choir. And we just keep regurgitating the same old stuff that all of us know. And now we are no longer an open circle. We become a closed circle. Number 10 is your church has zero presence in the community. Valerie, thank you for making sure that that is not true about Radius Church. Thank you so much. Number 11 is there's a lack of giving and generosity. You know what I love about Radius is if you come here and you're generous with your finances, you can literally see your finances working. I mean, there's not hardly a week that goes by you're not seeing people getting fed, walls getting torn out. I mean, I mean, there's stuff going on, right, everybody? Come on now. And number 12, and I'll end with number 12, as number 12 is the pastor lacks vision. And I hope you can see I don't. <laughs> Right, everybody? Come on now. And, and that's literally my prayer. As every birthday passes, I pray, Lord, I know my body's getting older. I know my knees don't run like they used to run, and I know all that kind of stuff. But I pray, dear God, please don't let me become comfortable in my spirit. Don't let me become comfortable in my emotions. Don't let me settle for good when I know you have more. Yeah. Amen, everybody? Would you pray that for me? Come on. Would you make sure to pray that for me? Because as God blesses the pastor, so goes the church. Am I right about it, everybody? All right. Well, well, I asked for prayer one time. Could somebody say amen to that? All right. Now, I want you to note the things that brought back life. I want you to watch what Elisha did for just a minute. He shut the door, so there's a point. He prayed, there's a point. He touched, he stayed connected, there's a point. He aligned himself there's a point. Whew, how many know there's a lot to preach in this, right? He aligned himself, and all I'm going to do is end today with what he aligned himself to. When I read the verse, he aligned himself to the mouth, he aligned himself to the eyes, he aligned himself to the hands, and he stretched his body. I got four short points for you. Are you ready? All right, that, all that was just the introduction. Now here's the message. Are you guys ready? All right, here we go. The church, we got to stay aligned in these areas. Number one is the mouth, or let me just say it this way, it's our voice. Our voice. Psalms 45 is a great verse. It's one of my life verses. I'm just going to kind of try to force fit it into this point. But Psalms 45, it says, my tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. In other words, God created by saying, let there be. I want to challenge you in 2024 to let your mouth speak life and watch your mouth create the life that you're desiring to have. 
Mm -hmm. I, I can remember when we were back in a rain-leaking coffee shop, and I said, one day, we're going to have this building. And I used to say, come on, Lisa, thanks for it. Remember that? And I said, we're going to have black chairs, we're going to have a big white R in back of me, and we're going to have, and we're going to, and, and we began to write with our mouth the things, the invisible things become visible when we write God's vision with our mouth. Hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that speaks deeper than this. When, when he aligned himself with his mouth, he's given life to the voice. Let me, let me just cut to it. This speaks of our vision. Uh, excuse me, it speaks of our message. And, and the question is, is our voice landing on ears that are asking the questions? See, we can just keep preaching to the choir, but are we really, are we really speaking to those that are searching and answering the questions that people are searching for? That means sometimes we got to say things that Christians already know or already take for granted so we can minister to the... Why should anybody eat twice before everybody's eaten once? Are you hearing what I'm saying, right? Uh, are, are, we, are we just repeating what everybody already knows? Our, our message has oftentimes become, watch this, outdated, exclusive, so people aren't listening to what we say. So what we say, listen to me, we are the church, not the pastor, we are the church. So what we as the church say has to be relevant, has to be applicable, has to be meaningful, has to be full of grace, has to be authentic. Our message is too often to ourselves and what we're against. How about let our message be who we're for, everybody, right? And God, please help us to quit talking in quick fix cliches with cute, trite solutions. God is good all the time while somebody's going through hell. Hello? We know he's good all the time. They don't. They need to see it. Come on, everybody. Are you all right? You know I like to step on religious toes, don't you, huh? And you know you love me for it. Come on now, all right? Uh, we got to address the nagging realities and the issues of real life. Here's a question, church. How are you helping people take one step closer to God? And we got to be careful what we say. we we got to be just as careful what we say yes to as what we say no to. We do four things. There they are. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover purpose and be a part of making a difference. And if you want to know how, did I mention January 17th yet? <laughs> All right? 13th on that and then the 17th for our classes. Alignment. Let's talk about what we're aligned to. We're alignment with what Jesus, we're aligning our voice with what Jesus would say. Jesus never condemned. That means if we're aligning with Jesus, we're never condemning. Come on, everybody. Oh, I can't believe they did that. You'd be surprised what you did or would do if you hadn't have been saved when you got saved. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just preaching that to me. You would be surprised at you, what you would do. But it's always grace. See, grace attempts to meet people where they are. It seeks to understand before being understood. Grace knows that people who need love the most are people who feel it the least. They're the people that need grace the most. They're not the people that need judgment the most. They're the people that need grace the most. Come on, are you guys tracking with me today? 
Uh, John chapter number 8, you know the story, the woman that was brought, you know, she got caught in the act of adultery, they were going to condemn her, and then Jesus says something so powerful, he, he said, where, where are your accusers now? And, 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 and watch what Jesus said, he says, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared, go now and leave you. He didn't tell her to leave of life of sin, and then there would be no condemnation. No, he gave her the gift of no condemnation, which empowered her to go live no more in sin. So let's align ourselves with that message, everybody. Let's give no condemnation. That gives people the ability to come in here and live with no condemnation so they can go and sin no more. Come on, that's a good place for an amen right there. Number two, I got three minutes. Number two is we got to align ourselves with the eyes. He aligned with the eyes. And this speaks of our vision. Proverbs 29, 11 says, without vision, people perish. I'm asking you as your friend, as your pastor, will you pick up some of the vision this year? Will you pick it up? Watch this. Let me give you some words. Overwhelmed, chaotic, frustrated. These are all words that describe a church or a person that doesn't have vision. Because if you don't have vision, you're being pulled in every direction. If you don't have vision as a church, you're being pulled everywhere. And so you're overwhelmed, you're chaotic, you're overcommitted, you're trying to do too much. The absence of vision during changing times results in focusing on the past. Have you ever been around Christians that all they do is focus on the past? Oh, the good old days, the days of revival, the days of flannel graph. You know, I mean, they're always talking about what used to be. But if you keep a strong vision, you're not focused on what was, you're focused on what's coming. And I declare on this first Sunday of 2024, What's coming is the glory of God and a move of God. Come on, everybody. Let's have some vision for where God is going. And we got to keep our focus narrowed. We have to. uh, Because every good idea is not a God idea. Woo! Luke chapter 10 is a great story. Mary and Martha, they're trying, to get over, they're, they're trying to get ready for Jesus to come have dinner. Martha was so overwhelmed of all the things she needed to get done. But watch what Jesus said. Jesus said to her, few things are needed. Radius Church, few things are needed. I, I, I bet you, if I was a betting man, most of us are trying to do too much. And I would say, few things are needed. Few things are needed. Number three. Number three is he aligned himself with his hands. Every Christian is a part of the body of Christ. If you're a born-again follower of Jesus, you're a part of the body of Christ. Jesus himself said, greater works will you do because I go to the Father. You are my... That's what it means to be incarnate. We, the church, are to be incarnate. We're to be his hands and his feet. We're to physically... Jesus is not here physically doing things. Jesus didn't show up and remodel that room over there. I really wished he would have because it could have happened a lot sooner. But the body of Christ did. Jesus isn't here preaching to us this morning... But the body of Christ is. Are you here? That's what it means to be incarnate. We're the body of Christ. That's scripture, everybody. Um, and so, again, oh yeah, did I mention all church next steps on January 13th? That's this Saturday, all right? We are, we are, we, every one of us are called. Um, and so, here's what I'm just going to ask, and I'll go to my last point. We need everyone to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Just every person, whether you've been saved 30 minutes or 30 years. Really, what are you going to do with this man called Jesus? 
Are you going to visit him every once in a while? Are you going to talk to him every once in a while? What are you going to do with this man called Jesus? Um, Here's really how I'd like to say it. I'd like to see everybody that calls Radius their home get something in your hand. Get something in your hand. Um, and, and, and it doesn't take a lot. i got a person that pulls up here every morning really early before anybody gets here, sits in their car and just prays over every one of you. Something in your hand. i got people that show up real early and pick up some of the most disgusting garbage around this property. Just everybody gets something in their hand. Just everyone that is part of the body of Christ, and, and, it, it, and if, oh, but I'm physically not able, my time doesn't allow, then whisper a prayer when you come here five minutes early and pray for five minutes for everybody that's going to sit around your area. Come on, what would it look like if everybody... Now, I know our hands can't do everything, but every hand can do something. Number four, and I'll end. He stretched his body across the dead body. I know this is a tough message to start the year with, but the fact of the matter is the whole body needs to stretch. He didn't just stretch his voice. He didn't just stretch his vision. He stretched his whole body. That means the whole body of Christ needs to consider. And so my question is, are you willing to stretch this year? I'll end with a personal story. I can tell it now because I'm old and this happened when I was young, so I am in no way bragging, all right? When I was in my 30s, I was trying to bench press. Any guys ever have a bench press record? Let me see your hands. Come on now. You know, in the olden days, remember those? Come on. Glory days. Come on, guys, where are you at? All right. So I was trying to bench press 400, all right? And, and I got really close. And I was strong and it was in my prime and my physical body was great, and I was trying to hit the 400. Now, some of you have way outdone that. Some of you girls have outdone that. Just leave me alone, all right? <laughs> and I was trying to hit 400, and I was at 395. And for six months, once a week, I'd try to hit the 400. And I'd jump down there as a young guy, and I'd try to do this. And I, I mean, I'd warm up with lighter weights and all that. Eventually, I hurt my shoulder. And it's that shoulder. When you see me down here praising God, it's always like this. Thank you, Lord. Because this one's like, thank you, Lord. All right. So that's just the way it goes. How many can relate to the pain? How many? Where's my shoulder people at? Come on now. Look it. You can't even raise your hands. Like, yeah, that's me. All right. Yeah. (laughs) All of you that went like this, that ain't you. Okay. So. And so. You know, I had pain and, you know, no pain, no gain. Stupid young things that you say when you're young. And so eventually, like years later, I go to a doctor and the doctors looked at me and there's a muscle that literally tore from the bone. And because I waited so long, it's now, there's never going to be repair to that. It's gone. It died. It went home to be with Jesus. All right. It's gone. I met with a sports doctor because they want to give me a complete new shoulder. I need two new knees and a shoulder. How many know I'm like Lazarus? I need a resurrection, right? And so, and so as long as my voice don't go, we're good, everybody, all right? And, and, and here's what the doctor, the, the sports doctor told me. He, after a bunch of tests, he said, Ken, I can't guarantee this. But I could tell you that if in those days when you did the injury, if you would have stretched... If you would have stretched, you would have probably never had the injury. And if you would have stretched, you would have probably hit the goal. And I said to the doctor, I hate you. 
I didn't really. I was just making sure you're paying attention. Do you get the point? I wonder what records heaven will write if we'll stretch. I wonder what loads we could carry if we'll stretch. Here's the bottom line. Here's my ask, Gen Z. Here's my ask every generation. Let's quit being an audience and let's start being an army. Amen? I'm going to close right there. Will you receive that today, everybody? I'm closing right there. Amen. And next week, we'll, talk, we'll start on the sneezes. Seven sneezes, we're going to talk about them. Would you stand with me all over this place?